Joining me on the podcast today is Julie Livingston, who is a PR and LinkedIn specialist. Uh, Julie is a real advocate for using LinkedIn for all things marketing and communications. So we're going to do some very deep dives into how to use LinkedIn for yourself, building your own personal brand profile, but also when you are marketing on behalf of others. And that's where for a lot of people, things start to become very uncomfortable or break down. So we're going to find out how to do this in a best practice way. Julie, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here with you today. Today, Neil. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think for a lot of people, they have a LinkedIn profile. Uh, they've been probably sat there with it gathering dust for many, many <laughs> years. You know, it's a bit of a CV online, you know, all the old cliches, but they see and hear others making great progress with their profile to become either um, an influencer or to build a brand or to maybe turn their side hustle into um, a new business, you know, a whole host of different reasons why they would want to get excited and interested in this. So I just want to work with you here to kind of figure out through your experience and your kind of the trials and tribulations of Julie's LinkedIn world, shall we say, <laughs> and how really to kind of unwrap this opportunity for, for everybody, because sure. it really is a big opportunity that so few are properly leveraging, isn't it? It's it's gigantic, uh, humongous. Um, you know, LinkedIn has been around for 20 years now, which is kind of hard to believe. So most people, most professionals do have a LinkedIn profile. And as you said, Neil, a lot of people are treating it like a CV, but I must tell you that it should be, you should do anything but, and it really should be way more than that. Um, LinkedIn is a primary marketing and public relations tool that sometimes really gets forgotten about by people who are, yeah, sure, looking for their next professional opportunity. It's definitely part of that. Um, and also people who are looking to make new business connections, find strategic partners, and really expand their network beyond, you know, people who or they already kind of know. Um, it's also a wonderful way to position yourself as a thought leader in your industry and to showcase who you are as a human differently than, than a Facebook or an Instagram, but to really show your professional side and what makes you uniquely you. And so I really look at LinkedIn as a brand building platform. And I have been, um, I, you know, I spent, I've spent most of my career in public relations for a number of decades. And in that work was coaching and providing strategic communications counsel to senior leaders, CEOs of organizations um, on how they should manage interviews with the media, you know, what they should say, uh, what their key messages are, uh, how to handle situations with the media when you're asked questions that you kind of don't really want to answer, and how to, how to manage industry crises and, and different difficult situations. Um, and I've also positioned leaders as thought leaders, you know, really people with opinions about things that are going on in their business or industry sector. And a number, about four years ago, I was actually posting, started increasing my presence on LinkedIn because I was hunting for new, new business for my public relations consultancy. And somebody I knew from, I don't know, a decade earlier 
who I had never met in person. Uh, and she had never hired me. In other words, I sent her a proposal, but the company it just didn't work out. But she kept following me on the platform, unbeknownst to me. Uh, she was lurking on my on my on my feed. And she started noticing my content and started commenting on it here and there. And at that time, she had changed jobs. So she was no longer with the company I originally met her at. She was with a Fortune 500 technology company. And she reported to the chief customer officer, somebody who has enormous responsibilities of a of, of 40,000 person field force across the United States. So big job, very high up in the organization, definitely has the, uh, a seat at the C-suite table. But she really wasn't known that much in the company. Like people, she wasn't always the, the, the most thought of person, the most thought of leader. She kind of played it quiet. She was a little under the radar, but she really wanted to change that. And she wanted to be seen as a, a, a people leader, as somebody is who has a human side, uh, who's not just a figurehead, but really kind of gets into the trenches with her team. She wanted to foster a sense of community in addition to positioning herself as a knowledgeable, thoughtful, smart leader. She wanted to bring her gigantic field force together in some way online uh, because they don't often get together. They work at you know different offices around the country etc. And so my contact said she knew just who to call, which was very flattering because she had seen my content and liked it and um, saw a connection with her, her, her boss. And so that kind of started me on this LinkedIn journey. And I've, so now I've developed this whole other business stream where I leveraged my public relations skills on the LinkedIn platform. And so I do work with individuals, individual leaders and their companies to kind of make them stand out on LinkedIn. And so from that experience forward, I have seen the magic of that platform and how it can be underutilized as a marketing tool. Um, and the way I, I start uh, in terms of, you know, developing that persona, because I think, and I think this is applicable to any kind of business professional, whether you work for big company, small company, startup, is to first identify those personal core values that define who you are as an individual. The things that, the three things that people might say about you if they were describing you to somebody else. Um, for me, those, and this requires a little bit of deep thought. Um, for me, those things are authenticity, uh, ingenuity, and creativity. Uh, and so those became my three like, sort of foundational things for me. Um, I mean, what, what would you say yours are? Neil? Do you know, I knew, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I, just, I knew this was the next right. question. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I was just thinking, does my profile does it really reflect the answer to that question um i'll let you be the judge of this one because you're the expert here right um so so it is very much about being i suppose one of the the um the, the facets is a listener 
um i guess this is why mm -hmm. i love having a, a podcast show because i let people talk right and it's, yeah i've got a few things to say but it is about being an active sure. listener and facilitating conversations and thought and so so there is that um the other thing is i think about being very future focused so i don't dwell at all in the past i think people would would very much say that i'm probably a gen z or a millennial in an old person's skin so i'm always looking at you know the next okay. tech coming through and trying to figure out how you know my audience can uh, my world can really benefit from it so i'm very future thinking and i suppose the other thing as well is to um the, the phrase in, in some of the personal profiling um, sort of yeah, things that you can do is Royal Guard, which is very much that kind of, yeah, kind of the, the, the guard to kind of protect you. So a real kind of protector of the important things in that. life and in individuals. Um, yeah, it kind of re really sort of sums up where my core values are, just that's being great. really reliable. Very I trusted. think that's great. I think you nailed yeah. it. And I think, you know, it's really important to start with that, to know who you are, because that will inform how you want to communicate and position yourself on LinkedIn. The next thing would be to look at those core values and to connect them with content pillars. These are the themes that you will want to own and that you will want to stick to on your feed and in your posts consistently over time. Now, you can make changes to these things. You can, you know, kind of look at your core values and, and a year from now and say, you know, I think I want it, it should be this, this, and that. That's fine. As long as those core values are aligned to content pillars, th this really gives you that consistent presence and allows you to get to be known for certain areas of expertise. Those are kind of the lanes that you're going to swim in no matter what. Every day when you post, it's going to be about something having to do with those themes. So for one of my clients, um, her content pillars are transformative leadership, raising, uh, increasing female representation at the corporate level. So women in, in leadership and mental health, which has become such a, a key issue in the workplace today. And it's something that she wanted to be known to talk about. And so you could see the connections, right? And how those topics would resonate with people. So we are now in the third year of this program. And so I develop her LinkedIn content strategy. And then I get to know her and I ghostwrite her content in her voice so that it sounds authentic. And I post for her on three consecutive days a week usually Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Those are the most highly trafficked days on LinkedIn in the morning in her time zone. She happens to be in central time zone. I'm in the Eastern time zone. I'm in New York city. And we have, we have learned so much over those, over this time period about, because we know how people are responding to different topics, but also even to the visuals that we share. And it's been kind of um, really enlightening and eye-opening. So we know that people really want to hear from her about mental health at work, you know, that she's the kind of leader who is okay 
talking about it and really asking people, how are you today? And, you know, really wanting to know, <laughs> not like just, you know, frivolously or, you know, if you're in an elevator, oh, how are you doing? And, and the conversation ends there. But she really wants to be known as somebody who cares um, and who's helpful to people who do need extra assistance. A lot of her team members are in high stretch stress situations. They work at retail outlets. So, you know, th that is a very intense kind of um, responsibility. So keeping on, in touch on mental health, uh, employee mental health is critical. We, um, and within the mental health umbrella, we also talk about exercise and managing stress and anxiety, um, uh, how you treat other people, collaboration among the team. We also talk about, as I said, transformative leadership. So really from her viewpoint, what makes a great leader and, you know, how to navigate problems that come up, situations that occur. Um, certainly this, the past three years have been just uh, an optimal moment to talk about that because we're coming out of the pandemic. There's been a lot of social and political unrest around the globe, certainly in the United States. Um, how, how leaders manage all of that really says a lot about who they are. Um, so that's kind of how we started building out her persona. And I think that's that process really um, can be used by anyone looking to build their presence on LinkedIn. One of the mm -hmm. other things is really building a following. So you may have a certain number of connections, uh, you know, in your, that you, people, you know, um, like, and trust who you've already connected with on the platform, but how many of those people are really following you? How many of those have actually clicked the button that says follow? And they're so they're seeing your posts every time they go up, right? Those that's, it's sort of like your fan club. And that's something that I try to build for the leaders I do work with because we want to expand their, their sphere of influence. Right. And so I have been doing that with this particular leader now she started out with a decent following. I think she had about 7,500 followers and she was probably the fifth or sixth most followed leader at her company because it is a, a large organization, but she wanted better for herself. You know, she really wanted to, wanted to increase that following by getting people from across the organization, not only within her people, within her purview, but in, in different areas to start connecting through, through her posts. And so over the past two and a half years, I've, I've been able to double her following and we're almost at 16,000 at this point. And how do we do that? Well, we start by, um, we start by following people on LinkedIn who we want to hear from. Like we want to see what they're posting. Sometimes those people will follow you back. But I usually go to some of the contacts and connections and do a little research. I like to see who the, where are their second degree connections? So let's say, Neil, I was looking at your uh, LinkedIn profile because I wanted to increase my following. I look at your profile. I see your connections. And then I do a search. I fine tune my search, which you they have a tool to do. And I look to see where we have second degree connections. That means that there's one person at least that we have in common 
then I go to that second degree connection and write them a note. You know, we share a mutual contact. I'd love to connect here on LinkedIn and explore synergies. Um, by attaching a note to my connection invitation, you get more of a res positive response. And that's kind of how I start building somebody's following. It's really like a grassroots kind of an effort. So good that you're sharing these really practical kind of pieces of advice, because I think for a lot of us, there's almost this mystique about how do you grow it? You know, there's clearly an influencer mentality going on here, isn't there? That, there you know, you're, you're owning some topics and, you know, you're kind of being seen to be that. But also then there's the the kind of the proper communication that goes on within it too. So this isn't all about just promoting and pushing content, is it? This is about is. listening and talking, getting into conversation. Absolutely. L listening and getting into conversations and engaging on the platform is really what LinkedIn wants to see. And they kind of give you like points for that in terms of increasing your visibility. So in addition to, to increasing your following the ways I just explained, you also should start to, as I said, follow other people. And they could be, you know, the top experts in your field. It doesn't really matter. And start really paying attention to what they're posting about and comment. That's one of the best place ways to start increasing your influence by commenting on somebody else's post. But give it a little meat. Don't just say, oh, I love your post or great post. Fascinating. You know, forget that. That's that's doesn't mean anything. But say something with substance that where you're actually contributing to the conversation. You would if you continue to do that, you will be surprised at the number of new contacts you're going to make. And how fun, first of all, it's totally fun because you start getting engaged in conversations with other people who you may or may not know. And you'll start building a relationship with the person who's posting. Mm. So it's about you may not have known before. Citizen then, isn't it? Yeah, because it's almost like you're going to this virtual networking community, but actually you're going well-armed. So I, I'm curious about this, this thing about how broad or narrow the kind of the topics that you want to be identified for should be. I mean, are, are we talking super, super narrow? So it's almost like narrow. a niche, niche yeah. within a niche kind of thing. Well, you know what? The nice thing is about social media is that you can experiment. So I like to keep it pretty narrow, but that where there's a little wiggle room. Um, but you, again, you want people, you know, they say there's a marketing rule of thumb. I don't know whoever, who came up with it initially, but they say it takes seven impressions to really make an impact on somebody and get them to remember your brand or your message. And so it's the same thing on LinkedIn. You know, if you continue to own a few subjects, subject areas, topics, like whether it is women in women in technology or women in leadership or, you know, um, mental health or uh, I don't know, cutting edge technology, whatever your whatever your subject is, and you continue to revisit that topic area, over time people will know you because of the topic you posted on, because it's so consistent. It's like the way you, you the way you're positioning your personal brand. 
Mm. So would would it then be that if if you are confident that you've aligned the topics with your values and what you really kind of get motivated and inspired by yourself, um, or as you're doing, Julie, you know, working on behalf of somebody else, so you really understand what drives them, the motivations, the value that they actually bring. So it's all very evidence based, all very evidence driven. When you start to post content on those topics, so you start to position as a, as a thought leader, you start to contribute to other conversations, so you're adding value with those messages, what would the kind of typical um, KPIs, the key performance indicators be that you're actually making a good inroad into this and you're actually getting somewhere? I mean, is it is it purely the number of followers or are there other kind no. of metrics that you No, that's a class? great question, Neil. And there are a lot of different ways that you can measure the level of engagement. And if you're really making an impact over now, first of all, you have to look at it over time. It's going to be rare when you can, when you kind of start this kind of a, a, an effort or program. And in a week you see like this gigantic dramatic change. I find that it inches up over time. So the first thing is to just track every post that you put up. Well, first of all, Post at the same kind of in the same time frame every day that you're going to post, right? Same days of the week, same time frame. Um, the golden hour on LinkedIn is actually more than an hour, but they say is between about eight thirty and ten thirty in the morning in your time zone. So play with that a little bit, but kind of try to be consistent and keep. I would keep a very simple spreadsheet. You know, I have one in Google Sheets that I keep where I have a link to every post and I track the number of impressions for every post. I track likes, comments, and shares or reposts um, because those are very strong indicators of if you're getting traction, if people are really liking your content, if they're sharing it with other people. That's your ultimate goal, right, is to get them to share it with people. Um, one of the things for this, one of the clients I, I work with that I love to see that I've been seeing now in the last six months or so, um, is that people from across the organization are having conversations on her feed. So it's like really bringing people together. And as I said, establishing that sense of community and connection that kind of didn't exist before. And people are feeling People, employees today really want to have experience a sense of belonging. And so that's kind of what we've been creating on, on her particular, um, on her particular feed. Mm. How um, do you build that? How do you build that out then? Because, um, you know, in terms of creating that community around you or around the CEO, um, as we're obviously talking on behalf of others here, um, how do you kind of build that out? Is it that you're going to create a group? Are you going to take them off LinkedIn to some kind of community sort of space that you might be you know, able to facilitate elsewhere? Are you doing a, like a live event? Because the, the, the um, live audio events are becoming you know, increasingly popular. Yeah. It's kind of a podcast within LinkedIn, isn't it really? Yeah, I mean, it really where, is. Where, where, where do you find those things work best to kind of really facilitate well, the community bit? That's a great question, Neil. And I think for every client, it's different. Um, but for this particular, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. For this particular executive who's at a Fortune 500 company, she is not really necessarily doing a lot of video right now. Her schedule just does not permit it. So 
I would love to see more multimedia content. I think that makes somebody look very exciting when you have, when you're using um, LinkedIn Live or video or now the LinkedIn audio events, which are uh, available to you if you're in creator mode, which I can talk about too. You have to kind of switch that on, although it's free. It's a free feature. It's like a free upgrade. Um, but she, she really um, mainly for her, we mainly get a lot of, uh, we cre create a lot of graphical assets in terms of photos of her at events, um, meeting with, even just meeting with employees in the field, you know, just snapshots of her, People enjoy seeing her doing what she does. Um, and so, you know, I call it a day in the life kinds of photos. They don't have to be staged photos. In fact, the snapshots are better They because they, they have more of an authentic feel to them. Um, and so we also create graphics to, um, to help her posts stand out. Now, sometimes I use license-free photos and we have, you know, online resources for that. And sometimes those are fine. Um, but I also have found that word cards perform very well. Now, these are just, it's just a graphic with words on it, you know, in a colorful kind of catchy way. And those have been getting a lot of traction for us. Um, so I do those. I try to mix it up. I definitely try to mix it up in terms of getting to know the client. Um, it really also depends if I'm sometimes I'm working with leaders who don't have that much time to meet with me. So it's my skill as a publicist, you know, and I've done this for so many years um, where I meet with them a few times and, you know, really have to research. I look at videos of them. I look at, you know, other things they've written or said um, to try to get their language down and their phrasing, any colloquialisms that they use. For the larger organizations, I work side by side with their marketing and communications teams. So in other words, I kind of augment what that department does and serve as their LinkedIn specialist. I'm an outside consultant, but they, they kind of treat me like an insider because they're sharing a lot of proprietary information with me so that I can write posts that are relevant to to um to her readers uh does that answer your question mm, it does yeah and i'm curious as well about you, you mentioned briefly there about um you'd love it if there was more video content oh I mean, video you, is you, amazing you, yeah because you clearly you, you you've managed to do it without video but you know as, as far as everything i've read and experimented with myself the video kicks on to a whole a whole different level doesn't video it? video is phenomenal why well, it shows you an action. It, you know, people get a chance to hear your voice, see your facial expression, the way you gesticulate. I mean, they really can get a sense of you, who you are. But that's not always possible. First of all, some people don't like being on camera. Um, they don't have the time, the energy. So I happen myself, I do a, a, a LinkedIn Live podcast pretty much every week called PR Patter, if you want to watch it. It's on Spotify and other platforms. Um, and on PR Patter, I have conversations with the marketing and communications people in my network. And so I wouldn't say that my podcast, my podcast on LinkedIn has this huge following, but people, when I see people who I haven't seen in a while, they'll say, oh my God, Julie, I see you all over LinkedIn. And that's the value of the video. 
They're seeing me. And I want, that's what I want. I want them to remember me and what, for what I do so they'll, that they'll hire me for something. I have another client who's uh, the CEO of a management consulting firm and she is wonderful on video. So she, we started a video series for her too on LinkedIn live. And that actually, um, you know, she did it consistently for over a year. She's still doing it. And somebody from Toyota in the U S a regional office of Toyota actually reached out to her because they liked her speaking style so much. And they invited her to speak on one of her, one of her content pillars was transformative leadership and company culture. And they invited her to give a big presentation to a number of regional offices in Chicago, which is a major market in the United States uh, about company culture because of the bit, the LinkedIn videos they were seeing uh, her featured in. Now you could also be a guest on somebody else's video, uh, a LinkedIn live video. You don't have to do it yourself if you're a little more, you know, gun shy about it. Uh, also, LinkedIn has is relatively new called LinkedIn audio, which um, doesn't have video, but it has the audio feature. So this is something that people really enjoy because you can record it without having the lighting of the background and you get that, you get great content that you could share and people can listen to it wherever they are. Mm, that's the power of the, uh, the LinkedIn, but you must be in creator well, mode. I, I don't know. Would you like me to talk? Yeah. About I, I was going to say, could, could, could you explain that? Cause for anybody who sure. doesn't, you're unlocking things here that they might not even realize were there. So LinkedIn has um, sort of a, a stepped up program that you can switch on. It's just a question of hitting a button called creator mode. And this provides you with the opportunity to populate, um, to add a, a, a custom URL in your header section. So if you look at my, my header, my LinkedIn profile, you'll see it has my website, my company website address right there. So people could go uh, right to the website. Uh, which is great. I love that because it's right in the top portion is the first thing people see when they go to the profile. Um, you also get uh, the opportunity to add a featured section, which are a couple of like, it's like a slideshow right under your profile. So you could add visuals, uh, snapshots of you working, meeting people, giving a presentation, Maybe it's also could be media placement that you're maybe you're featured in an article as a subject matter expert. You can put that in the featured section, too. And I have fun with that section. I like to change it up all the time and add new uh, assets that my clients have. So it keeps it fresh. LinkedIn, um, I'm sorry, uh, creator mode also gives you the opportunity to broadcast LinkedIn live videos on the platform, which um, you, you know about. And LinkedIn and LinkedIn audio. Um, so I like creator mode. There is one downside, one small downside that I want to mention. And that is if you switch on creator mode and if you do a Google search, it will show you how to switch it on. You, it, it, it hides the, um, the connect, the connect button. So if you should only use creator mode, if you have at least 500 contacts connections on LinkedIn, if you really don't, I would hold off because you want, you really, you're, you really want to increase your number of connections first. So in other words, if people want to connect with you and they're not already a first connection, 
they have to go and take another step. They have to click on, it says more, then they'll see a drop down, and then it will say connect and then you have to, but it's not a visible button that says connect. That's the only downside. Mm. So th again, this is all about the planning ahead, isn't it? You know, it's, it's all very well switching all this stuff on, but actually knowing the why and the when you're going to be featuring these particular added value elements is, is so important, isn't it? So will you talk about, you know, your um, your content scheduler, which is your, your spreadsheet with all the measurements and, and the metrics. Is, is there a kind of a, an almost an optimum order of, you know, moving a very static, very tired looking LinkedIn account to this kind of fully featured, all singing, all dancing kind of, you know, almost website within LinkedIn. Is that? Is that I love that you just said step? that, Neil. That is so perfectly said. You really want to make your LinkedIn profile into a landing page more than just a CV you know, really fill it out so that people get a flavor for who you are as an individual. And I was just working with somebody the other day on their profile. Um, I will mention that, you know, start by looking at really being critical of your own profile. And to do that, you should look at other people's profiles who you admire. See, what are they doing? What does their profile look at look like? One of the things that people almost always forget about, and I, I, I'm just obsessed with this, is that the header, the background header behind your headshot, that is prime real estate. And I cannot tell you how many leaders I've worked with who have nothing there. They just have blank space. So that's where you could put your company logo. And you could even put a few words about what you do, you know, transformative leadership, uh, mental health advocate, community culture, uh, I'm sorry, company culture advocate. Um, you can put things there so that the second people see your your profile, oh, instantly, they're going to get who you are, even before they move down the profile. So really analyze what you've got up there and see where you can make it more exciting and colorful. And now we have these great graphic tools. Are you familiar with Canva? Mm -hmm. So Canva are. is a wonderful tool and there are others too. I just happen to use that. And I have the, I have, I don't have the free version anymore. I pay for it, but there is a free version and they make it so easy. So you can even get a template for a link LinkedIn background header and then just customize it. It will look so much better. It will make you stand out. Um, again, you can see how I've used this on my own profile. I have a photo of me, looks like I'm interviewing somebody in the background, and um, it says public relations and LinkedIn. So immediately people get what I what I do. And that's the key, isn't it, really? It's that hook is because, you know, nobody has the time to dwell on something they have to try and figure out. And as you say, that prime real estate, first thing that you see, profile image, and then the cover image, it's that's so, right. so critical, isn't it? So, yeah, that's, I think for most of us, that's where we need to start. When you talk about the tools that can be available then to, to help you out, obviously Canva's a great one because, you know, you can schedule, well, not schedule, but you can create the posts, 
consistent styling, the formats are all there, you know, templated up for you. What's your view um, in this whole kind of piece around using AI content? I'm thinking the talking avatar videos. So it's not yeah. actually Neil talking, it's an avatar that sounds a little bit like Neil, but saying kind of Neil stuff. Yeah. And also ChatGPT, etc. How does this kind of come into the mix then for you? Well, there's no question that uh, AI is here to stay and it is a wonderful support tool for communications professionals like me. Uh, it helps me with research. It helps me um, if I'm having writer's block, you know, and I want to get an article started or some kind of uh, written, like a post, if I'm writing a post for a client and I just am hitting a wall, it will help me. But you can't just copy and paste something, content that's AI generated and expect that to land well with your audience. You really need to customize that and personalize it. Uh, I can't stress that enough. Um, so you could, you know, LinkedIn now, when you go on to write a post that asks if you want help using an AI tool, I don't know if you have, if it's rolled out uh, worldwide now, but we have that in, in the U S I, I don't use it, but I could see where it could come in handy as long as then once you have that suggestion that you shape it so that it really sounds like you and not like AI, because people will know, people will know the difference. They really will. Um, in terms of using it for video, I would not recommend it at all. Um, I, I Again, I think people want to see you on screen. They want to see your face. <laughs> they want to see a real human. And so I would not use an uh, AI-generated you know, video on, on LinkedIn, certainly not on LinkedIn, if you really want to promote your personal brand and who you are as a, as a leader and a professional. You have to go with the real video. <laughs> Mm, yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think it's a However, great starting point. You know, LinkedIn has recently introduced something called collaborative articles. Now, these are AI-generated articles that they create. They sound like AI too. However, if you are looking to build up your thought leadership and visibility on LinkedIn, this is a good place to start. So if you do a search for collaborative articles, you'll see where they post them. And you'll see like where your expertise lines up with something that they've started a collaborative article on. Like for my, in my field, that might be something about public relations, you know, and I can then weigh in. I could post a comment again. Remember commenting really helps you increase your vis visibility and credibility on the platform. I could comment on that, on that post. And I have colleagues who do this a lot and they have now been given like a designation, a badge that says top collaborator on LinkedIn, which is prestigious. So I do think that that AI tool can be helpful in, in increasing your visibility. Mm, that's really helpful advice. I'd not heard of that one myself. So you've, you've taught me something here, Julie. This is great. I'm going to be searching on that one. So literally accessing that through the search bar, top right-hand corner, start to kind of just literally find it on the no, look on the, look in the search tool for look in Google for co LinkedIn collaborative articles and it will come up with a, come you know pop up with a bunch of different subjects okay cool nice one yeah That's and good. sometimes people you know there are people who aren't as good in posting their own original content so this is sort of a good prompt to get you going Mm, yeah, because you don't become a thought leader, exactly. literally, as you say, in that first week, do you? You kind of have to coach yourself through. You got to build up to it. Yeah. I always tell yeah. people to start 
by posting articles that they find helpful in their work. You know, find an article in an academic journal or a news journal um, that or a trade publication that relates to your business and post the link with a, a couple of sentences or a few bullet points and then always end every post should always be ended closed with a call to action because you want to prompt that engagement. So I always have a question at the end of each post, you know, what has your experience been with, you know, leading teams or with getting people to collaborate or with problem solving. And that kind of puts the light bulb on in people's minds to comment. I love that. You know, that almost feels like an echo back to me from many, many years ago when social was, you know, a brand new thing in this whole marketing and communications. Because I used to say, always end a sentence with a question mark. Yes. Because you want to entice that response back. So great to hear that. That's still a thing. No, it's still a thing. And, you know, I had a client, um, I had written posts for the following month and they were looking it over and they wanted to take out the call to action a question. And I said, no, no, we have to leave that there because look, you may not always get responses. You may not always get comments to every post, but you need to have that in there to prompt people to think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Great to hear that. And one final question for you before we leave people with your um, free tip sheet, because I know you, you're going to help them even further after this. They can follow this up and I want to get to that. But one final question, which is about hashtags. Do you, do you find that uh, they are still a thing? In that is a great question, Neil. And the question, the answer on LinkedIn about LinkedIn and hashtags is I don't know. They are currently reviewing their hashtag policy. So fortunately, I already have lists for my current clients of the top performing hashtags on LinkedIn, but their hashtag search tool, like if you go in the LinkedIn search bar and put in a hashtag and then a, a word, I have found that it has not been working for months. So I think they're reevaluating how to use hashtags. But in general, on other social platforms, you know this, um, you know, you want to look for hashtags that have at least 10,000 followers. Um, And those are that you can track, you know, uh, it's a little hard to really equate the number of um, the kind of traction you're getting on a post with the hashtags, but having the best performing hashtags in the post can definitely help you. Um, It's just that that tool, that feature on LinkedIn is kind of now has a bug in it and it's not working. So I would say continue to use hashtags on LinkedIn. You could use five per post, no more than five. People forget that. And I see posts with a million hashtags like you would do on Instagram. Uh Uh-uh, only five. Um, And then hopefully in the next few months, they'll have a new policy around hashtags. Mm. No, that's great. Yeah, because I'm always kind of watching that. And I thought it'd be interesting to get your take on it because, yeah, I think the jury was out for me. I'm still using them, but I wasn't convinced that actually they were really doing anything. But I guess if you if you kind of find a sort of a thought leadership or influencer kind of position and there is a hashtag that you've been using over a long, long period of time, it's almost a confidence builder for your audience to know, oh, yeah, this is another one in the series. So even if it's not helping with the algorithm, it just kind of glues that particular post well, to yeah, a I mean, post, doesn't it? Definitely. And you could create a vanity hashtag, you know, maybe it's something that um, uh, has to do that's very specific to your organization. Um, and this way you can see you could try to 
build uh, visibility for that particular hashtag and get other people to use it. Mm. So room for maneuvering and experimenting as as with all of this stuff. Where can people find this uh, this free tip sheet? Because I've, I've kind of whetted sure. everyone's appetite, but now we need to release it to them and let them have it, don't we? Sure. Well, you could, first of all, find me on LinkedIn. I hope you'll follow me on LinkedIn, Julie Livingston. And my company is Want Leverage Communications, um, based here in New York. And then you could go to my website, wantleverage.com. And when you go to the website, you'll see there's a pop-up for my free downloadable, how to make your CEO stand out on LinkedIn. Brilliant. And perfectly titled along with this podcast episode, and look at that for a, a seamlessly. You can tell that Julie's a seasoned professional, the way she just wrapped that up with a call to action. <laughs> As we say, all good content should have a good call to action. Julie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for all these really actionable tips. I think, you know, of all of the 375 or whatever it is podcast episodes I've done now on this particular show, this has probably been the most action-oriented one that I've had so far. So well, I'm delighted you know, I, to hear that. I hope athlete, it was helpful. you scored that. Really That's helpful. wonderful. Great. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. Wonderful.